come Definitely and dream with me. Dream. Hello and welcome to What Do You Want to Watch? The Explosion of X Premier Media Podcast. Every week we get together and talk about movies, TV and online content. Help you answer the question, has anyone been roasted during this strike so far more than Bob Liger? I don't think so. Not yet. I'm your host, Ash Dobley. Join me today, Dylan Blight. My man, really, you know, sometimes it only takes one interview to end in someone's career. <laughs> it's pretty unrealistic, these expectations of... You came out of retirement <laughs> for this. Came out of retirement for this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, on today's episode, we'll be talking about what's our watch history, going over some film and TV news, Give us some thumbs to trailers and doing this week's top three. I wouldn't change things up this week. Emmys happened. Uh, Emmy nominations got released uh, last week. Uh, you know, lots of big, big, big shows, multiple nominees: Succession, The White Lotus, Last of Us, uh, Ted Lasso, all raking in the nominations. Uh, we're going to go through all the category, a lot of the main categories. But uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this year's Emmy nominations in general? In general, I think they're fine. As always, there's, <laughs> there's a few things that stood out that I personally would have changed. Um, I think after last week, everything bar one person or one of my dream things was not nominated. Like, but yeah. everyone else that I wanted was nominated. Of in your the four, categories. one of my four, missing. one was missing. So, and really, it was your top three that got in. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's true. My top three got in. All my Better Call Saul ones got in. It was just the one old one out, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, overall, I think it was good. I think um, the common criticism that I'm seeing across the board is a lot of nominees from the same shows uh, that maybe, maybe didn't deserve to get in. Like, uh, I believe a lot of the, the supporting drama categories are like, completely filled with uh, White Lotus and Succession, succession actors. Yeah, but um, I see, I, I view it and go, everyone from White Lotus deserves this. No one from Succession deserves this. But then I go, <laughs> I haven't watched that show. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but really, the, the fourth person down deserved it more than the best supporting actor on another show? You know what I mean? Is, the, is that fourth person really competition for the first for Jennifer Coolidge in the supporting actress category? Well, probably not, no. Or Rhea Seahorn, sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> look. <laughs> you're, you're starting war over here. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't... You know, obviously they made some changes this year where they... Uh, in the past, you could just nominate as many people as you wanted uh, on the ballot. Uh, this year, they put, like, a cap in the hopes that they would sort of uh, spread the love a little bit more. Turns out, didn't happen. It was just like, this is my favourite show. I'm nominating every single person in it. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we do that sometimes in our awards, so... <laughs> That's true, but I feel like we, you know, it's rarely that way, ends up that way. <laughs> um, unless we, you know, haven't watched much in that category in that year. <laughs> um, but... Uh, and this should be the Emmys who watch everything and like give fair viewing to every category, but um, you know, 
really, as much as those kids were cool in The Last of Us, did, did they deserve to be the best uh, guest actors in a drama series? I don't know. Over Andy Circus. No. That's it. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, pretty crazy. But, yeah, let's uh, run through some categories. What we're going to do is we're going to go through a lot of the, the drama and comedy acting categories, uh, then the big three, best drama, best comedy, and best limited series. Uh, go through the nominees, and then we're both going to give one person or show that we think should have been nominated. Uh, you know, that we think was, some would say we think was snubbed. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's kick things off. Uh, starting with best supporting actress in a drama series. The nominees this year are Jennifer Coolidge for White Lotus, Elizabeth Debicki for The Crown, Megan Fahey for White Lotus, Sabrina Impachatori for The White Lotus, uh, Aubrey Plaza for The White Lotus. Rhea Seahorn for Better Call Saul, Jay Smith Cameron for Succession, and Simona Tabasco for The White Lotus. So that's what? Five White Lotus people. Mm. Do they really need to be five White Lotus people? They're pretty good. <laughs> I, got, I got no one for this. I got no one I for this particular category I have no rules with. So I wrote down uh, I put down put Morford Clark from Lord of the Rings, who obviously played Galadriel. Uh, yeah. I believe she went up as Best Supporting Actress. Uh, as a collective cast, I think they all went supporting, so I think she would have been a... I see what you've done. So you've gone and looked at the the people who legit missed out. Like who were put <laughs> forward and legit missed out. I just looked at them and went, do I have a problem with this? Nah. <laughs> okay. We'll I mean, I, you... I would I would not kick anyone out for her. She's good, but share the love. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see who who Dylan actually will kick people out for. Uh, mm-hmm. Best supporting actor in a drama series. The nominees are F. Murray Abraham for The White Lotus, Nicholas Braun for Succession, Michael Imperoli for The White Lotus, Theo James for The White Lotus. Matthew McFadden for War Succession, Alan Ruck for Succession, Will Sharp for The White Lotus, and Alexander Skarsgård for Succession. Again, what? Four Succession, five, four White Lotus. Those are the only male actors in television. I would check out um, any of the Succession people. I don't know know which one I'm kicking out because I don't know which one's the, the worst... Or the least deserving. I, I but, would, I would probably say, uh, probably Nicholas Braun. I think of those four, he is the definitely the least likeliest to win. Cool. So we can replace him with Tony Dalton from Better Call Saul. Okay. There you go. Uh, my pick would have been Stellan Skarsgård for Andor. You know how they saw that speech in, on him standing on that. Uh, I don't know, beam, you know, cape flowing in the wind. And the enemy voters are like, nah, don't understand. <laughs> uh, we'll go best supporting actress in a comedy series. The nominees are Alex Bornstein for The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Ayo Edderberry for The Bear, Janelle James for Abbott Elementary, Shirley Ralph for Abbott Elementary, 
Juno Temple for Ted Lasso, Hannah Weddingham for Ted Lasso, Jessica Williams for Shrinking. Um, I don't think I had anyone for this, to be honest. Do I? Supporting actress? Yeah. Well, uh, no, because I only had one. Like, I t- we all know who I would have had if they fucking missed out. But... What? No, I got no one. You got no one? No, I got no one. Um, this is a little bit hypercritical, hypercritical <laughs> because I said all the, uh, all complaining about all the actors from the same show, but, um, Lisa and Walter from Abbott Elementary. <laughs> I think three in a category is fair. That's a round. That's a fair number. She's great as Miss Chimenti. Um, so yeah, that was my pick. Uh, best supporting actor in a comedy. No, best supporting. Yeah, best best supporting actor in a comedy series. The nominees are Anthony Carrigan for Barry, Phil Dunster for Ted Lasso, Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso, James Marsden for Jury Duty, Eben Moss Bacharach for The Bear. Tyler James Williams for Abbott Elementary and Henry Winkler for Barry. Nice uh, spread there. Who missed out? Um, ah, fuck, I forgot to write his name there. Uh, Ted Lasso. In supporting? Um, uh, Brett Goldstein, right? He's there. Is he? Oh, I missed it. I missed miss, miss, Phil Dunster, Brett Goldstein. Okay, cool. I, I missed it before. No, I'm good then. Never mind. Harrison Ford was robbed. Robbed, I say. You saw you saw Jessica Williams and gave her a nomination, but Harrison Ford right there singing Sugar Ray next to her and somehow does not get nominated? I don't understand it. I don't understand it, Dylan. That's a fair point. I saw he was a fav he was the favourite on one of the sites I saw leading into these nominations. Somehow nothing. Man, they must have really hated Indiana Jones. I mean, fair. The Christ. second half sucks. What? Of <laughs> Indiana Jones. I mean, the second, the second half sucks. Okay. Not shrinking. I thought it was wild. Oh, you like that show? Um, yeah, I do, right. I do like that show. Best lead actor in a drama series. The nominees are Sharon Horgan for Bad Sisters, Melanie Linsky for Yellow Jackets. Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale, Bella Ramsey for The Last of Us, Carrie Russell for The Diplomat, Sarah Stook for Succession. She was snubbed. Uh, no one. Really? No one you could think of was snubbed from this category. What's, am I looking at, what's the category? Best lead in a drama series, actress. Best lead in a drama series, actress. No, nah, got no one. No one? Okay, I'm going to say Emma Darcy for House of the Dragon. Um, the Your top number four from last week. Uh, oh, didn't I have her supporting, though? No. No. Okay. Yes, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you didn't say anything for supporting either, so I don't know what... <laughs> Crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, how, how, yeah, Emma Darcy should have been nominated. What the fuck? And my my new my new follow up would have been like I'd actually um I would have actually switched like Melanie Lazinski's fine in season two of Yellow Jackets, but I 
I would I would have switched her for a multitude of other actresses from this this the second season. To be honest, would they have so, been classified as lead though? Yeah, like for another lead. I, I still think one of the other female leads, not like one of the female supporting characters. In fact, I would easily switch, nothing against Melanie Lazinski, I'm sorry, but I would actually switch her out for her uh, younger counterpart. Ooh. Interesting. Uh, Sophie Nelsie. Or her, no, no, not Sophie Thatcher. She plays a different character. Sophie Nelsie, I think is the actress's name. Okay. Sophie Thatcher plays the younger version of... um. That other, yep, yeah, anyway. Christina Ricci? Nope. Nope, then I don't know who. <laughs> <laughs> Not a... uh, best lead actor in a drama series. The nominees are Jeff Bridges for old, The Old Man, Brian Cox for Succession, Kieran Culkin for Succession, Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul, Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us, and Jeremy Strong for Succession. Uh, Dylan, how many lead actors do you think a show should have? How many lead actors should a show have? I think... I don't know. I don't want to put a ruling on it. <laughs> I'll say, Brian Cox, very lucky to be nominated in this character. Look, I, yeah, because he dies, Based on right? Spoilers, but yes. <laughs> I mean, it was all over the internet. Come on, I haven't even watched this. Come on, people. Didn't he die in like, the first episode of the season? He is in, in out like four episodes in so of the yeah. final season. So... Um, I would get rid of Pedro Pascal. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because obviously a lot of these nominations are based on like one episode of television because they only like, they put in one episode to be. So what the fuck did they put in for that? The second last episode? Which one do you think is most dramatic? Maybe the first? None of them? When when, his daughter dies? I don't know. I guess the first one? I like he's fine, but I would I I I would I would get rid of him. I could I could I could get rid of him for a lot of people, to be honest. Well, who is at the top of the list? Ask me a question. Um, I have to pick one person. (laughs) Yep, that was the requirement before the podcast. We started recording. Yeah, yeah but just, you're making it hard, man. Usually, usually you have such like, it's fine, man. I'm all loosey-goosey with the rules. And then you come in, you're like, oh, you're fucking like, I got hard lines now, Dylan. I think it was pretty not, like, difficult. <laughs> hard lines now, motherfucker. Um, could I put in... No, that's a comedy. Never mind. Um, I would put in... I would even put in, actually, because I think it's a highly underrated performance. Um, and he's he's uh, b- 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 Diego Luna. Okay. Diego Luna from Mendel. I think a highly underappreciated performance simply because he's because uh, of his not character. Talky. He's not talky or anything. So Not that yeah. Joel's talky, but... <laughs> no, but I actually think that he has a bigger... Like, I, I would say Diego Luna's performance as Cassian Andor is... More deserving. Sorry, then. That's hard. enough. That's hard. I'm not trying to say it's a bad performance. I just think no. I'd put like. Okay. My pick for lead actor, uh, in a drama, Paddy Constantine for House of Dragon. Again, he dies four episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's like he's <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> spoilers again. <laughs> <laughs> you have to put a spoiler for all the shows. Even um, Matt Smith, right? Is he lead? No, he's supporting. You're right okay. in? Yeah. I think he would. He, he, if it wasn't for those, all those White Lotus people, he would have been nominated. All right, let's like go back season, to when I said I didn't have season, anyone. I'm going supporting actor, I'm going backwards. That's my... I'm, I'm kicking, okay, someone out. kicking the succession person out for that person. All right. Best lead actress in a comedy series. Uh, the nominees are uh, Christina Applegate, Dead to Me, Rachel Brosnahan, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Quinta Brunson, Abbott Elementary, Natasha Leone, Poker Face, Jenna Ortega, Wednesday. Uh, interesting. There's only five nominees for these two lead acting comedy. Uh, categories, which lower than ever, all the other categories. Just to point it out. I don't... Is Wednesday a comedy? I don't know. The co- What classifies as a comedy is becoming greyer and greyer. Because there are two sh- other shows that are nominated uh, that a lot of people would argue are not comedies either. In the Bear and Barry. <laughs> so is Mrs. Davis a comedy? No, it's a, it was up for the Minch series. That's the problem. Can I choose to have Betty Gilpin nominated for this category? Sure, just say. I don't pick Betty Gilpin for Mrs. Davis. Yeah, because we're not doing limited series, <laughs> just so sure. That works for me. <laughs> Uh, my pick was Cecily Strong from Schmigadoon, because uh, she's really great in the second season. Uh, very funny. Does great musical numbers or craziness. So yeah, that would be my pick. Uh, then the lead actor in a comedy series, the nominees are Bill Hader for Barry, uh, Jason Siegel for Shrinking, Martin Short for Only Murders in the Building, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, and Jeremy Allen White for The Bear. Who was stubbed, Dylan? I didn't have anyone for this. Okay. But to be fair, I don't watch that. I don't think I watch as many um, comedy series. Yeah. As you. Dylan, these Emmy voters are the most devious bastards in New York City. Because oh. Matt Berry should have been nominated for, for New what, York we do in City! The what we do in the shadows, just for saying that line. Still haven't caught up to that season, but yeah, that's fair. Uh, Is he yeah. lead? He was up. I think he was classified as a lead. Okay. It's, it's it's weird. It's an ensemble car, so it's hard to. I, I'm just go. I'm. I went off uh, Gold Derby, which had like a list of uh, who they thought was going to be nominated. That's why I've been pulling a lot of these from. Uh, okay. Smart. Uh, all right. Best limited series. The nominees are Beef, Dharma, Monster, the Jeffrey uh, Dharma story, Daisy Jones and the Six, Fleischman is in trouble. And Obi-Wan Kenobi. Dylan, aren't you, as a massive Star Wars fan, glad that Obi-Wan Kenobi, Emmy Award nominated no, TV series? But so you're telling me, hold on. So you're telling me that they did they so they, they put uh Mrs. Davis up for limited series? Yep. And Obi-Wan got nominated over that. Yep. I can understand that. <laughs> Can you? Yeah, Mrs. Davis is super weird. <laughs> Obi-Wan is standard. Obi-Wan is fucking bland. 
Everyone is safe. Yeah. Mrs. Davis is good. <laughs> yeah. Original. Good performances. So Mrs. Davis would be your pick. Sure. I'm not playing by the rules here. I'm picking Be- Betty for best lead actress and then nominating it also. In a comedy series? Yeah. Series. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. I'm doing what I want. Uh, this isn't a show that I've watched, but it's clearly the biggest snub in this category is Blackbird. Um, considering like oh, every yeah. single actor in that series has been nominated, I it feels like. Yeah. Uh, Taron Edgerton was up. Yeah. Uh, Paula Walter Hauser nominated. Even um, who is it? Uh, Ray Liotta got nominated posthumously, uh, and yet that mm. show didn't get nominated over Obi Wan. <laughs> uh, is crazy. Look, I watched the trailer for that, and I think based on that, I have enough to say <laughs> that it should probably be nominated over Obi Wan. <laughs> All right, that's good to know. Uh, all right, best drama series. The nominees are Andor, Better Call Saul, The Crown, House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, Succession, The White Lotus, and Yellow Jackets. What series would you add to that list? I'm good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a pretty solid list. Yeah, uh, I wrote Lord of the Rings, Rings Power, I think. But what are you taking out? Is additive. No, you gotta no, you gotta take <laughs> something out. Uh yeah, see. The crown. <laughs> because that's the like that's like one of the only shows on that I've watched nothing from. So I mean maybe Better Call Saul, you know, seeing as it's a kind of cheating. Like part two of C last season. I'll you know? Stab you. <laughs> you know, it's a bit it's you know. There are only like they were, it debuted like right after the period ended. The second oh, half, fucking you know? how dare you have a heart attack and fucking postpone the series? They didn't postpone the series. They postponed half the series. Yeah, because he nearly died. And here you are like, oh, waited no. the whole season, you know? Fucking hell. You know, if they had have used the whole season, maybe they would win. Um, best comedy <laughs> series. Uh, nominees are Abbott Elementary, Barry, The Bear, Jury Duty, The Marvelous Ms. Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and Wednesday. What would you add to that list, Dylan? I'm good. I mean, I'll take Wednesday out. I don't think it should be there, but I don't know what I'd replace it with, to be honest. What about The Rehearsal? One of the shows we really enjoyed last year. Wouldn't that be like a limited series, though? No, they're doing a second season, remember? Oh, fuck, they are too. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, rehearsal then. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, Has those are a lot of stuff. That's... Hold on, hold on. Have we ever talked about how, how are they doing a second season of that? That doesn't make any sense. I think that's, we specifically said, when <laughs> I think the news was released like at the finale, and then we like, what the hell the hell are they going to do a second season? Of that show. Um, but yeah, completely stopped. The rehearsal. Nothing. Um, yeah. It's too so that's the Emmy Awards. Uh, I want to... Can I add one? I had one yeah, on okay. my list. You didn't read the... the, um, the so I, I, Andy Serkis should have should have been up for uh, guest. Guest. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like, again, those, those guest starring, like, Guess acting category is like super. 
just all White Lotus, all Succession, and all Last of Us people. I don't think they should have been, you know? No. Again, we love Melanie Linsky. Did she need to be nominated for Last of Us? No, she fucking did not, and it should have been Andy Serkis. <laughs> Probably not in that category, but... <laughs> Andy Serkis should have been in several categories, even if he wasn't nominated. Yeah. Uh, I am super happy, like, uh, Nicholas Bertel, who did the score for Andor, picked up a bunch of nominees, nominations and that kind of stuff. Obviously, they got a bunch of technical awards and stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's all very super exciting. Um, so, yeah, let us know what you thought of these Emmy nominations on our social media. But uh, the Emmys are meant to be taking place in September. Will they take place? Probably not, because the SAG actor has joined the WGA, WGA in striking uh, and now we've got a full-blown writers and actor strike, um, which we kind of suspected was going to be the case last week. Uh, the episode, before, didn't you title the episode, Will the Actors Strike or some, something like yeah. that? <laughs> Are we on the cast with an actor strike? Yes. Yeah. And the and answer was yes. Yeah, the answer was yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, some of the news relating about, around why exactly they have stricken uh, or struck, I guess, is interesting. Uh, so I'm going to read from this article from uh, Variety. Uh, SAG-AFTRA and the major, major studios remain at odds on a dizzying array of issues as film and TV actors hit the pick lines Friday for the first time since 1980. Uh, according to sources on both sides, the biggest sticking point is union's demand for 2% of the revenue generated by streaming shows. The two sides also remain far apart on basic increases in minimum rates. Wizard Studio offering 5%, 4%, and 3.5% across the three years of the contract, while the union is demanding 11%, 4%, and 4%. But that only scratches the surface. The parties are at odds on dozens of issues, only a handful of which have been publicly reported. In some cases, the two sides don't even agree on what the disagreements are about. They, uh, they engaged in a rare public back-and-forth Tuesday over the use of artificial intelligence to replicate background actors. Duncan Cabtree Island, the union's executive director, alleged that the studios wanted to pay an extra for one day's work to be scanned and then to reuse the likeness forever. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers hotly disputed that, saying that its proposal explicitly limits the reuse to the project for which the extra was hired. Um, other sticking points, yeah, the streaming revenue share, uh, pay increases. Uh, say after is... Not seeking to ban AI, but wants to make sure that any use of a performance's likeness is ge- to generate a new performance is done with compensation and consent. Uh, the AMTP says it has agreed to that, but Cabtree Island said that the devil is in the detail. It is a very craftily put together proposal that a layperson looking at it might not see any holes at all in it. There are huge gaps that you could drive a back truck through. Uh, the union wants to require that a performer has to be consent to any use of their performance to train an AI system. The AMTP would accept that for AI training used to alter or recreate that performance likeness. But according to Crabtree Island, the AMTP would give studios carte blanche to train AI systems to create synthetic performers for other purposes. Uh, SAG-AFTRA also wants to limit the use of self-taped auditions, which have become the industry standard in the wake of the pandemic. The union wants to limit such auditions to no more than five pages of material uh, the AMTP has offered an eight-page limit. The two sides are also working on terms around turnaround times and a provision that would classify no special lining or equipment as needed. Uh, also, debating on uh, pensions and health contributions around this website called Actors Access, which is where a lot of casting notices are put. Uh, apparently, there is a free tier and then a premium tier, 
and saying Afra is like uh, they think the premium tiered people are getting preferential t- treatment, but because it's a third party uh, site, it doesn't really fall under the the guise of the unions. It's kind of a weird sticking point. Um, uh, also, into option periods for TV actors, uh, a lot of inf- like bargaining on uh, background acting and uh, performance capture. So yeah, a uh, lot of sticking points there. What what things stuck out most to you? Uh, I think I saw something today that was like they were uh, saying that if uh, someone has to wear like a um, what do you call the old school um, corset, and they mm, were like corset. people who have to wear corsets should have to get paid more, and they were like, no. <laughs> 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 I was like, That's- like, a, that's, like, such a straight, they're like, no. It wasn't even, like, an explanation. They were just like, nah, not doing that. <laughs> I was like, okay. It's a bit random. But, yeah, I mean, if you, I feel like, obviously, if you read through any of the requests and the counter arguments in some cases, or just in that case, a lot of times where they're just like, nah. <laughs> like, there's not even, like, a counter. It's just, nah, nothing. I got, we're not doing anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's hard to. to I, I'd like to see how it's you hard to sympathize with the. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to sympathize with the exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of been interesting. Like the last week, um, with like them starting to go on strike. Obviously, Oppenheimer they had the big premiere on the day of the strike, and all the actors left the movie premiere uh, before the movie had even been produced. Um, they did the red carpet. And they did the red carpet and stuff. And then there were a lot of, like, I think one site, uh, one, like, Deadline put out, like, a tweet or a clip of Matt Damon making a statement, but it sounded uh, anti union. And, well, like, no, the, it, the clip is fine. The quote in the tweet was completely out of context. Yeah. So then, like, that is, like, one of the first instances, like, one of their tweets have been pulled and, like, re uploaded with, like, more context context in fact it's like people like whoa they're lawyers it's like Matt Damon's lawyers came in real fast Um, there was another place too um Variety and someone else got them both to pull their tweets down and redo them yeah yeah so um yeah it's really interesting and then there's currently a lot of discussion around uh reviews and I guess reviewers and influencers and stuff and their role in uh, the strike because apparently uh, with uh, SAG after has put out a statement saying that influencers shouldn't be promoting uh, doing promotional work so, for strike work. Uh, yeah, the so I've, I've been doing a bit of reading about this because I saw people tweeting things that I just thought were like I understand there's a degree here where I'm like I can understand how people want a bit more clarification about this. I've seen a, a, a fair few tweets that are doing stuff like should I even go to the movies anymore? Go to the movies. Don't be fucking. Yes. Don't be dumb. As someone Go pointed out, if the movies start being less profitable, then they're going to just use that excuse as to why they can't keep playing. Yeah. People. No. It, 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 the worst thing you could do at this point is not go watch Barbie, not go watch Oppenheimer, whatever else. If you want to go watch the movie, go watch the movie. There's there's absolutely no reason to watch not watch the movie. They're um, not asking for a boycott. Yes, no. Yeah. yeah. They're not asking for a boycott of the industry. That's not that's not what's happening here. And for and if you choose to do that, you just yeah you're. you're if you want to do that, I don't know why. Okay, you're not. You're literally <laughs> helping no one. At that yeah, stage. you're not helping. 
not helping anyone. You're not helping yourself, and you're not helping anyone at all. So, um, the, the so as soon as I saw that, I was like, no, you go, you that's just going too far. Um, the stuff I did find interesting, I was like, that's a good point. Um, and the stuff I was reading about over the last like 48 hours, I guess, was a lot of the influencer stuff because then it is like you know cosplayers being hired to promote work, etc., etc., etc. Because it is like you're just basically doing straight up promotion for a product at that stage yes which them then saying we don't need to do that that makes perfect sense to me um what we're doing is totally fine amongst their rules like as far as like media slash journalism whatever like reporting uh blah 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 because this isn't this is uh film criticism technically we're australian we're not gonna become i'm still saying like in 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 the realm of like do i feel bad like of not showing any kind of support no film criticism or tv criticism slash uh discussion is still like not something that is struck um it's just anything that is would be considered or could be used in a way as as far as i understand it could be used if in any sort of like if, straight up promotion if like, you're being paid by one of the studios and you have yeah. to put the in hashtag ad yeah ad, don't do that yeah unless you're like contractually obligated i think yeah. um but don't start doing that i think is the gist of it yeah. uh but don't yeah they're the like movies, for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah i mean it yeah some of the discussion around like reviews i specifically i saw a few different posts like people getting very angry when they were like they said writing reviews for movies would make you a scab and that kind of stuff and would be how against it's it's because you- it's promotional work if it's a positive writing review, reviews is a promotion part of the promotion of a film. I, I disagree. It's uh, at criticism as has been more mo- in, in current years has been tied more closely to promotion. where do you think the codes and screeners come from promotion? I, yeah, I guess so. Promotional funds. All right. We'll pay to buy the ticket then. Okay. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you want to, like if that's going to, if that's going to make, but like, uh, I'm going to go see Oppenheimer at a screening tonight. Should yeah. I be like posting? Oh man, Oppenheimer hashtag. Thanks, Warner Brothers. Love it. Your movie. You know, I would say probably not. Yeah, that's a little weird. I would say that's the line. Writing a review for the film is fine. Okay. Saying saying in a go going to a screening, I'd say that's fine. Now the thing is, so you saw oh they had the old Barbie premieres last night. Hmm. A lot of people dress up. They look like they had a great great time. This is nothing against anyone that took pictures. Like a lot of people I follow were at different premieres, Sydney, Melbourne, pictures. Thank you, Warner Brothers, Barbie premiere. People taking pictures and their little their little things and whatever else. That is all hundred percent just promotion for film. Free publicity. But does it make those people scabs? No. No, okay. But are they in the wrong at all, or is it just a super gray area? I, I don't think they're in the wrong. I just think that, like that, or is it because that... it? I mean, technically, the money will be going to Warner Brothers, but also no, a cut of it's going to I, them here. A, we're in Australia, so it gets very weird. Yes. B. Everything I'm saying is just my personal opinion, opinion. of what if I if I if I could have gone to a Barbie pre- like let's say I lived in Melbourne and I could have gone to the Melbourne premiere last night. Right, <laughs> if I leave, <leave-tour. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> um, if I could have gone to the Melbourne premiere last night, I would have happily gone, 
watch the movie. I would have happily wrote a review up and posted it today. I would have not posted any tweets uh, of the, the thing saying I was there. That, that would be my personal line. Hmm. Now, does me doing that get me fucking... Uh, street cred you know, or like... Street cred uh, from anyone? No. No. Would I, But I would just do it because I just feel more comfortable, personally. Okay. Within my skin, you know? All right. That's where I'm at. So you're not going to tweet, you're at the Barbie movie tomorrow when you go see Barbie? No, I think I think if you go see Barbie or Oppenheimer and you pay, you can tweet all you want. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's just if you're if you've if you've got it for free, I think it's a bit weird too. Because hmm. a lot of those times, those tweets, they are used as like free publicity to places retweet it, which I think in general is fine. Like any other time, I think it's, <laughs> it's fine. Like it is what yes. it is. However, currently, I think it's a bit weird. Yeah, it's definitely a weird period. Um, like, like I don't think there's anything wrong with you going to the Oppenheimer room. The Oppenheimer yes. screaming. I would say that po- posing at the poster, posting a picture, which is basically just to promote that you're at a, f- a free event, which is like pr- promotion, that would be a bit weird. Currently. Mm. Yes. Would I say you're a scab if you did such a thing? No. <laughs> Do I think it makes you a bad person doing such a thing? No. My personal opinion is thus. Okay. So Would I check out my Instagram. Website, check out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ultimately, uh, I don't give a fuck what you do. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's definitely a weird period. Um, we also see here. What, what do you want to watch in uh, unison with the uh, the strike? We will not be interviewing any actors or actresses from any projects. Um, you know, in in solidarity uh, for this this period. But uh, once it's over, here's uh, <laughs> street cred, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's let's get into what's our watch trick. Holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's been a bit of a slower week. Doing the show backwards. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, Dylan, you've got a review up on the website for Shark Exploitation, new documentary coming to Shutter this week. I do. Um, so yeah, Shark Exploitation is a documentary about. Sharks films slash sharks exploitation films in particular. Um, basically, shark exploitation is like take the take Jaws and then anything that tries to follow in a similar vein of that movie or anything like so that. So, The Shallows, Deep Blue Sea, The Meg, Sharknado, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sharknado 2, mm-hmm. Sharknado 3, mm-hmm. Jaws 2. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's all of them, right? That's all the shark yep. Yeah, I mean, all those and other things I make sure to mention in this doco include other things like the uh, Piranha movies, which were basically just Jaws, wow. but they changed okay. it to Piranha and like any any animal movie where it's like, it's Jaws, but it's a so bear. So Cocaine Bear? A cocaine Bear would 100% count. Okay. It's a shark exploitation movie. Like it's like, or a sub a spin-off of the shark exploitation genre. Um... Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I feel like if you like any of the shark attack movies, be it the the really serious ones or the more comedic ones or the recent string of the ones Ash just mentioned, the the really low budget uh, Sharknado and all that mega shark and whatever else, they they cover all of that in this documentary. Uh, the other stuff too, I found quite interesting is they made sure to cover how the release of Jaws actually affected j- sharks and their public perception. Um, and has ever since. They it was sure to super point popular out, before. 
Everybody well, no, they, they point out in the history, like 1920s films, sharks are treated as majestic creatures. They're not like the movies of sharks in them. It's not people hunting them and like treating them like they're the evil things. They point out the, you know, uh, as seen in Moana, they make sure to point out the um, indigenous legend of uh, Kamahauli and um, Nanu. Is that how, I think that's how you say it. Um, you sure. know, like, you know, like the, the sun shark and the, well, the, the son of the shark, half shark, half human thing or whatever like all like throughout history and different religions and stuff like yeah, sharks lava girl and shark boy don't yeah well <laughs> <laughs> um they make sure to point out that Come sharks on, weren't always viewed as these like evil things that'll like hunt you down and like um but like basically after the release of jaws public perception was sharks are evil sharks all sharks in the ocean are there to kill you and hunt you down um whereas of course the truth is that most sharks don't want anything to do with you um, they have like a funny bit in the movie, in fact, where they like talk about a dude who's like, you know, if you're looking at a bench and there's like a cheeseburger there and there's like a coffee pot and like a flower, and, like all this random stuff. And he's like, and if you accidentally bit into this other thing instead of cheeseburger, you'd be like, oh, yuck, this is disgusting. He's like, that's what happens sometimes with sharks. They, they you know, you hear about shark attacks. The shark thought you were just bobbing up and down like you're a fucking fish or something, you know, like, and, which sounds terrible. Like, and obviously people lose limbs and die and whatever else, but. It's like, they're yeah, mother nature, I guess. Um, and then, you know, they cover all these different sorts of factors of sharks. And it's definitely not in a way of like, it's not, this This isn't a, hey, shark movies are bad. Like, look how they've affected sharks. Like, this is a ultra, like, um, you know, animal conservative film or anything. But it does have those viewpoints, which I appreciate it. But most of the time, those people giving that viewpoint, it's definitely not from a point of, hey, shark movies are bad. They list off and they'll be like, we love all these shark movies, but like, it's worth talking about the fact that like Jaws sort of like ruined sharks and the way people like that you can look and see more sharks have died since 1975. <laughs> like People started killing sharks more because they were like, man, Jaws, fucking, it's disastrous. So um, yeah, lots of talking heads and stuff like that, movie footage. They sort of cover, you know, 70, they covered the timeline of shark exploitation from the release of Jaws, every Jaws major release, a lot of the, the major shark movies, that, like Deep Blue Sea and whatever else up to current days. Um, it is a timeline, except for I kind of kept getting annoyed that they would really jump ahead sometimes and then come backwards and it was sort of distra- distracting for the overall flow of the documentary, especially because it does cut back to a literal timeline image it's moving along and I'm like, well, Will's just in the fucking 90s. Why are we back in the 80s now? You're confusing me. Um, and they spend too much time at the end of the movie, in my opinion, going over the fucking behind the scenes of the the sci-fi channel and the Silent productions of Mega Shark, Sharknado, all those sort of things. They do like 15, 20 minutes, I felt, on those films in particular, which I understand they're super popular currently, but it just very much seems like the, the it's like the movie switches between two ends. Like the first half of the movies, all these people talking about Jaws and the the movies up through the nineties to not, deeply see and all this sort of stuff. And suddenly it just switches gears and goes into the, the low budget shark film stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? This feels like it went to a different movie, but um, like I understand it has its place too much to me. I would have preferred that time used something else but uh but yeah overall gave it 7.5 i feel like if you like shark movies if like jaws if you like you know shark attack movies uh yeah must must watch interesting doco i thought shut up all right uh so yeah check dylan's review out at explosion.com staying on the doco mystery train i watched the emmy nominated documentary series dear mama uh which is a documentary uh about Tupac Shakur, um, currently available now on Disney Plus. 
uh, and it kind of follows his whole upbringing, career, uh, life um, from you know his early days. They've, it's kind of crazy the footage that they've got in this series, where like he's being interviewed in high school, like um, by like for some high school project or whatever, and they've somehow managed to find that footage uh, and use it in this documentary. Um, yeah, as someone who is not overly familiar with Tupac's career or like life, um, this was very informative and interesting. Uh, it's also very closely tied to his mother, who was part of the Black Panther movement, uh, back in the day, uh, and how that affected how much how her involvement in the Black Panther Party, uh, and being around that influenced Tupac, uh, and then Tupac's taking that as part of his upbringing and taking that into the world of uh, music and hip hop and rap. Um, super interesting. Um, the craziest thing is uh, this documentary is uh, directed by, uh, who was it? Yeah. Uh, Alan Hughes. So Alan, uh, Alan Hughes and his brother did a bunch of the, uh, early Tupac music videos. Um, but then they got into a rather big altercation with Tupac, uh, taking him to court in 1994 uh, after he so- he assaulted them during a music shoot video. So this director got assaulted by Tupac and is now making the documentary about <laughs> all these years later. Um, but yeah, lots of obviously huge people involved like uh, Snoop Dogg and a lot of the people from uh, Death Row Records and like um, a lot of uh, Tupac's family. Uh, you got Shug Knight here in jail. <laughs> no, he's he's not involved. He's he's not uh, part, interviewed as part of the documentary. You see him yeah. Yeah, throughout sure. the process. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, five five episodes. They're about an hour long each. So uh, I would definitely rend- recommend checking that out. On Disney Plus, uh, weird place for it to be, but you know that's where we are. Uh, Dylan, maybe, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dylan, you watched a few documentaries for the as part of the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. I did. So I put up uh, an article. I put up an article titled 10 films to check out at Melbourne Documentary Film Festival." Five are the ones I watched, and then there was five I'd mentioned that I would like to watch. Um, but the five I did watch, I'll write, uh, they're just in alphabetical, I think, yeah, in the article. Uh, so the first one is Cover Your Ears. So this is a documentary about music censorship that it was um, quite good. So literally everything from rock and roll to hip hop to punk, um, you know, what you have it, the, however it's been censored throughout the years. Um, it's the early days of, you know, they start, probably around jazz and like how it was sort of you know it's sort of part of racism you know like the censorship of uh, black musicians and stuff like that um all the way up into more modern way more modern you know with literal censorship by having well nearly censorship i guess technically with the introduction of like the parental advisory sticker and like how that came about and different artists put on trial for that you know different people getting arrested and you know everything from nwa to whatever um it ends up talking about the current ongoing case with young fog and um the rest of ysl records and how they're currently on trial for 
um, this particular American act thing that's been put forward because of the lyrics and their songs and stuff, and they're currently on trial for uh, that sort of stuff. A lot of stuff in here not particularly groundbreaking. I did like the the way it was overall put together, though, um, and the the framing here as you know to be careful around the, around this sort of stuff and like freedom of um, artistic expression and 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 all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I I, I thought this was a good one. Well worth checking out. Uh, we then got Energy, a documentary about Damo Suzuki. Um, I never heard about Damo Suzuki, a musician that was apparently in a very popular, uh, well, very popular, I guess, in a particular like um, area of the country, particularly Germany, uh, which is where it was, for a band called Can. Um, but after that, he like sort of sprung off onto his own, and he does a thing where he just he just tours all the time. And he doesn't release music until he's like done playing it. And he just releases CDs then afterwards. But all he does is just tour, tour, tour. Like he's basically on a never ending tour. Um, but he found out he had cancer in, when he was like 30. And then he's gone for all this stuff. And now he's like this documentary covers him now. I, don't, I can't remember how old he's supposed to be when the documentary is being filmed. But he's like, you know, 70 odd or whatever. Like he's old. Um, and he's still rocking out doing what he does. But um, he's going, he's got this never like imputing thing in the background of this upcoming operation and all this sort of stuff to get past the cancer but you know he's it's it was really interesting person definitely not like someone you've <laughs> seen before mm. uh an interesting character that i, I thought was uh yeah what makes this well worth checking out especially because i didn't know anything about the person i didn't look up anything and i just clicked play and i was just like who is this fucking dude <laughs> it was this sort of crazy story so i thought that was good uh musk versus bezos i watched the new star wars so this is a documentary focusing on the rivalry between elon musk and um jeff bezos's separate uh space entities and stuff whatever spacex and uh blue origin and how they're going face to face and how they've been chasing each other for years now to basically be the best space corporations that they can be um and get the nasa contract and all and all that sort of stuff um it's interesting to a point but i do like by the end of the documentary i sort of found myself going why the fuck do i care like they point out like they they literally point out that you know that every time that bezos takes these people who pay like two hundred fifty thousand dollars to fly up into space uh you know like a they're spending so much money for these very short trips to to space and back down um and b the amount of like damage they're doing to the fucking ozone layer and whatever else every time he does this for tour very expensive tourism and then elon musk's over here fucking well elon musk we, we don't even need to fucking go down <laughs> that road at this stage like by the end of it like it was interesting them covering the earlier years of both of them and their background as like super nerds that made them want to get into space very early um, using money from each of their own corp, uh, different corporations. But by the end of the documentary, you're just like, these are two just billionaire fuckwits in their own ways. <laughs> it's like sort of how I felt. But um, I don't know. It, if you've got any interest in space, I guess it's mildly interesting. Um, Surviving Sunset and Actors Hollywood Journey. This was a very sort of um, amateurish film, which was like... Uh, which adds a little asterisk to it. Um, so it's Sean Anthony Robertson is like a indie or a, a small sort of Australian actor. And he decides to head on over to Hollywood to see how hard it can be to even get like auditions or 
anything over there. Let's just fly over there, give myself like a month or whatever it is. And how hard can it be? Surely I can, get, <laughs> surely, surely you can figure something out. Um, and he, he interviews a bunch of actors and stuff like that over there at the time about it. And, you know, there's all these little things about like, he can't get shit because A, he doesn't have a green card. He's not part of like any of the, the SAG. He's not, you know, like all these sort of like, hang-ups on anything and then all the actors he talked to are basically saying it's the worst possible idea for anyone to move to hollywood to try and get a gig there like if you get super lucky yes you basically have to do it you got to make it that's the only way to make it if you want to make it in hollywood but also you'll move there you have to work like three jobs to afford to live there and then you probably won't get a job anyway i don't know we've all watched la la land um (laughs) but it works out uh, for them like yeah i guess um except for love i guess so yeah except for love that's the losing thing uh yeah i thought it was enjoyable uh for like a different point of view for hollywood um from a much more like like ground floor level view of hollywood and what's going on there um that made it quite interesting you know it even covers like the glitz and glam you know he talks about you know there's one interview he's doing there where he's like you know like you always see it and the camera's always pointed up and show the glitz and glam but he's like look what it's really like here and it's just like you know homeless people everywhere you know like it's just you know like points out just what how different it was to actually go over there and see what it was like uh then the last one i watched was called the girl in the picture um so this is about the famous picture of the young naked girl like running towards the camera uh, with her clothes burned off her body after a napalm strikes uh gone off i feel like everyone would have seen this picture even if they don't know what the picture was ever from like it's one of those sort of i feel like it's definitely in like top 10 probably most famous photos you've may not know who shot it but you've probably seen somewhere um but this is focused around that photo it's got interviews with people talking around um different photographers uh who were there at the time when that was being shot and like how it happened um it also covers the girl like where is she now did she survive is she still alive so what is she doing like you know what links had to go through to actually get her help after the fact because that was also interesting because pretty much they the spoil part of it they like the photographer and a bunch of the photographers like take her to a hospital and they're like pretty much like oh yeah but like i've got a million kids here dying like she's probably just going to die in two days there's nothing i can do to help her (laughs) you know like it's Mm. just like jesus christ and they were like no you need to like i know it's super bad to say but like this girl is blowing up in american papers at the moment because of this photo we need to like like we sort of need the the happy ending to this story sort of thing. So they push for her, which I or else she probably would have died. So um yeah, I thought I thought that was really interesting. Like just it's basically just behind the scenes of a f- f- uh, photo, which you know, you see documentaries about behind the scenes of movies and TV shows and you know, all this sort of stuff. So behind the scenes of a, a photo and what w- went through it, even the cropping of it slightly before it was published and and stuff like that, which was quite interesting. So yeah. They're the five films I watched uh, as part of the Melbourne International... Sorry, just the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. Uh, some of those are online. Uh, Surviving Sunset, I think, is the only one that isn't that I got sent a screener for. I think the other four are in cinemas and online. But, yeah, so... because. They did. They do the same thing every year, where it's like the first couple of weeks is online only, and then as of next week, yeah, the last week is when they run it as part of Nova, um, no, whatever the cinema's called. Uh, cinema Nova has the the screenings. If you live in Melbourne and you want to attend, all right. Uh, so I've been. I've watched the first two episodes of the After Party season two. 
course, this is the comedy series in which there's a murder that happens and we have to find out who the murderer is over the course of the season. Uh, and uh, Tiffany Haddish plays Detective Dana and she interviews all the witnesses and they all tell back the story, the events of the the night in question uh, from their own perspective with their own type of storytelling. Uh, Sam Richardson and Zoe Chow are back this season uh, after they hooked up. Uh, got together at the end of the last season. They're going to Zoe Chow's sister's wedding, uh, and the husband croaks the the day after the wedding. Um, so, and uh, the the sister, the bride, is the number one suspect. Uh, so, yeah, they go and kind of uh, again recapping the events. Uh, this is Anique's Anique, who Sam Richards is playing, uh, first time meeting uh, Zoe Chow's uh, Zoe's parents. Um, so he's trying to make a good impression. He does a classic rom-com thing of being absolute, the worst possible human clumsy person he could possibly be. Uh, every most disastrous thing he could do, he pretty much does. It was hard to sit through. It was that awkward. You uh, some awkward comedy, though. It was rough, you know? Uh, Ken Jeong plays the father of the bride, and he asks him, asks, uh, Anik to go pick up his relatives from the hotel. Just picks up some other random Asian people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, really funny. Zach Woods plays the uh, the groom, who's a like very quiet, like uh, very eccentric tech billionaire or tech bro kind of like it's it's, it's not exactly clear, but he has a he has a lizard on his shoulder called Ramona at all times, um, who also dies. Um, you know, so they both everyone's, got poisoned. Everyone's dying. Everybody dies. Uh, no. Um, yeah, so the first episode of the rom- rom-com, the second episode is told, like, as if it's uh, a Jane Austen novel-esque thing. Like, it's out of Pride and Prejudice, or... Like, it It pulls... It's explicitly pulls the dance scene uh, from Little Women. You know, the one where the Timothy Chalamet and Sasha Ronan are dancing outside? So nobody can watch them? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. pull that scene and do it here. Um, Rip off. Kind of. Uh, so yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, lots of funny characters. Uh, Jack Jack Whitehall. Um, who else is in this season? Uh, John Chow. Or John Chow, I mean. Uh, Anna Conkle. Uh, yeah, lots of really good people. So I would recommend checking out The After Party, especially if you watch the first season. Um, it's kind of a necessity if you want to watch this. Uh, Dylan, you've got like a bunch of horror short films on your track. What's up with that? Uh, they were all part of what the fuck was? It? Hold on, let me pull up both the name. Um, they were all part of, according to ExplosionNetwork.com, the Etheria Film Festival. So these, so a couple of these shorts had been part of. A few other things, but the Ethereum Film Festival uh, last couple of years has streamed exclusively on Shutter, and they've done the same thing again this year. Uh, you don't have to click into them s- separately; it just plays them back to back to back to back in one um, like hour forty length. Uh, like it's a feature length, but yeah. just it's just yeah, it rolls one short into a, into another, into another, into another. Um, but the focus of the Ethereum Film Festival is uh, showcasing female. Uh, directors so every one of the short is a female directed horror film yeah. so um, sort of makes it 
little bit it's not like a yeah it's just another fucking horror film festival or whatever so um which is pretty cool um i instead of going like too hardcore i'll just i'll read out the synopsis for each one then give it a i'll give it a thumbs up uh sorry starts with no overnight parking uh it was a woman fleeing her abusive husband gets locked in an underground parking garage with a masked killer double thumbs up had a great twist um autopilot a lone pilot on a homebound space vessel finds herself trapped in a waking nightmare when a holographic virtual companion begins to defy his programming. Double thumbs up. Really enjoyed it. This is one of the longer ones. I'll say 16 minutes uh, was one of the longer ones. More of a sci-fi than a horror or like a sci-fi thriller. Had a great twist as well. Really enjoyed the, the payoff. Sucker, to her horror, Sam discovers her sister Caitlin has has been infested by a monstrous leech creature slowly sucking her life force dry. Uh, This is just straight up body horror for, yeah, for like eight minutes. Two thumbs down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One up, one down. The the, uh, practical effects and everything was really well done, uh, considering um, if you appreciate that sort of like stuff with Ashwood, but yeah. Uh, The Earl King. Lenora runs away from her strict religious village into the loving arms of an ancient woodland god called the Earl King, but Lenora realizes that he's had sinister plans for her all along. Um, yeah, so this is like a yeah fantasy horror is the genres they put down for it, which is definitely right. You know, this is set in like 1800s, <laughs> runs around. Really appreciate the makeup and special effects uh, on what was happening for the creatures designs and everything here. Um, so I'm going to go one up, one down. I didn't love the the ending about one up one there incomplete evan is on house arrest in a haunted house or so he thinks uh i'm gonna go one up one down great concept was enjoying like 90 percent of it didn't love that i felt like it didn't fully do the, the landing well but overall it was a really interesting uh uh concept for this one though. it was good uh border a young woman turns on her the TV to watch her favorite Korean romantic drama, but realizes to horror that me she might be the way, one being watched. This is very short; it's only a five minute short, short um, Korea slash Japan uh, made horror here, um, and really good. Like just for the the short time, I was like, this is just straight straight fun slasher, um, fun little twist. Enjoyed it. Uh, sleep study. So it says a restless new mother confronts a dangerous terror. Uh, sorry, a restless new mother confronts a dangerous terror whenever she tries to sleep. Double thumbs up for this one. I really enjoyed it's uh, uh, the whole setup and then the payoff and it. Like this is a, a well told just story in ten minutes. It was good. Uh, Angels. Bella has almost given up hope on her mother recovering from a deadly illness, illness until a meteor containing a mysterious being falls from the sky and lands in their fields. One up, one down, sort of monster horror, um, sci-fi sort of thing here. Good. Again, I feel like it's just like, I just need another couple minutes out of some of these to, I feel, just add a little bit more context or like land the ending. So I'm going to go one up, one down. Go to bed, Raymond. You should listen to your kid when someone tells you they're in their room. Uh... One up, one down on this one as well. Monster sort of horror thing, sort of by the books for this one, as far as a lot of, compared to a lot of these shorts, but was still good. Uh, and then the final one was Make the Call. Two former best friends reunite in a changed world, finally confronting the demons that ripped them apart. Uh, one up, one down on this one as well. I enjoyed the 
this like teases for the majority of it for its 15 minutes like you're trying to guess what has happened it keeps like these two friends get back together they're having a few glasses of wine you're like what's it keeps like teasing that they had a big argument over something to do with her husband you're like what's wrong with her husband and then you know they keep saying he's sick and you're trying to guess what it's actually going to be um and i thought the payoff was it was pretty fun towards the towards the end so uh you can stream all of that on shutter now um but yeah that was a it was a good little uh, rundown of shorts. All right. Well, that's everything I watched this tree. Let's give some thumbs to trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about this week in the show notes below. Uh, first trailer for this week is Command Z, uh, created by Steven Soderbergh, starring Michael Sarah, Lee Schreiber, Chloe Radcliffe, Roy Wood Jr., and JJ Maley. Uh, a scientist tasks his employers with a historic mission to travel back in time to revise history and save the world. Dylan, what did you think of trailer for Command Z? Z? I want to know where the fuck this came from. <laughs> it just popped it, up overnight, it, right? Yeah, so it's a web series uh, that's only available through Steven Soderbergh's blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pay... six. It's available for six ninety nine right now uh, or with all the money going to charity, from what I can tell. Yeah, that's what I clicked on it to see and it's like yep all money goes to charity I'm like okay so i don't know double thumbs up and <laughs> i saw it pop up like three days ago yeah there was a countdown uh so yeah yeah i googled it and all the news stories were like steam Soderbergh reveals something at new york secret yeah. Con- uh, you know that the, the boring full circle show he's doing no yeah. let's just check out this thing <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i'll go i'll go i mean honestly the trailer's like one up one down but I'm sort of hard not to give it double thumbs up just for the concept coming out of nowhere and all goes to charity i don't know yeah but i'll go one up one down yeah this is two thumbs up for me it looks crazy looks zany um so it seems like michael sarah <laughs> plays some weird head scientist on a wall yep who tasks these other random people to go back in time in the body of random people to and be the voice in their heads? Yep, they're like their their consciousness to enact change yep. to history in some way. And the biggest actor also in it, I guess, is Lee Schreiber. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely gonna drop my money. I think I want to check this out. It looks weird and wacky. To look forward to talking about it next week. Uh, so yeah, like I said, you can check it out uh, by going to commandzseries.com. I assume it's command Z, like as in like undo. Yeah. I keep wanting to say, yeah, that's the undo. Yeah. Yeah. I keep wanting to say Z, but that's how Australian. How about you on command Z, mate? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh next trailer, Painkiller, uh created by Micah Fitzsimmons Blue and Genoa Harpster, uh starring Uza Abduba, uh Matthew Broderick, Sam Anderson, Tally Kitch, Carolina Batskark, uh Tyler Ritter, John Ailes, Ron Lee, Anna Cruz Kane, uh Westercovney, Jack Mulhern, and John Murphy. The causes and consequences of America's opioid epidemic unfold in this drama following its perpetrators, victims, and an investigator seeking the truth. So, what do you think of the trailer for Painkiller? 
Um, I think it's pretty, like, I don't know if it's because he won an Emmy nomination, so they decided to put out a new trial for Dope Sick, but I'm going to go double <laughs> thumbs up for this. Like, I, I, um, is it still on Disney Plus or they take it off? Like, no, this is the new, the completely different series. What? Uh, it's, it's, what you know, it's about? classic case of, uh, Deep Impact Armageddon. <laughs> well, it's crazy because yeah. I, I could have sworn this was a trailer for that 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 isn't michael keaton that is Ma- matthew Broderick. oh matthew Broderick, right okay i know they look the same <laughs> <laughs> very similar careers they both play batman yeah yeah that's a good point yeah, yeah. so <laughs> connecting fabric uh but no i i'll go double thumbs up for the trailer it, it is still very very weird to, to just be like cool so you're putting out a show on netflix that's like it's not exactly dope sick it has still one of the main same quote unquote characters in the the head of the fucking pharma company, whatever his name is. Um, but then they've like switched the they've switched like the sellers from a uh, the the pharmacist dude from like the um, like he's like oh he's slowly realized he's doing the bad thing to like just got girls who are like well, uh, very happy to. Oh, who is it? Adam Warlock. Yeah, yeah uh... that dude. Whatever his fucking name is, like he was like very like oh I don't know like over the over the course of the series he realized he's doing bad whereas they've like replaced Will Poulter. Him, yeah uh, they've replaced him with oh these girls who are like young girls fuck you I'm here to make all the money <laughs> one Which literally was... thinks yeah. sticks the finger yeah victim <laughs> yeah so yeah double thumbs up for trial it's just very weird that I'm like that was an Emmy award winning show yes so. Yeah, this is one up, one down for me. I just, yeah, the tone is very weird, uh, timing-wise as well. Um, especially when they're still in a massive opioid crisis, mm. uh, and opioids are killing hundreds of people, like making jokes about how it was, how it all started. Seems a bit weird. Um, but I mean, it feels more palatable than <laughs> dope sick, you know. So that might be good. Um, and it's weird seeing Taylor Kitchen something again. Sorry. I don't. I think he's been in a bunch of the the, the Taylor Sheridan shows. So, um, yeah, I haven't seen him since Friday. No, I've seen him. He was in Battleship, and that killed his career. No, or was it John Carter? Those two collectively killed his career after Friday Night Lights. Everyone thought he was going to be the breakup star. Um, all right, Painkiller is coming to Netflix on. August 10th. Next trailer is for Special Ops Line S, created by Taylor Sheridan, starring Zoe Saldana, Lisa de Oliveria, Dave Abel, uh, Jill Wagner, LaMonica Garrett, James Jordan, Austin Hebert, Jonah Wharton, Hannah Love Lanier, Nicole Kidman, and Morgan Freeman. A female Marine is tasked with befriending the daughter of a suspected terrorist who's being surveilled by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for? Special Ops, Lioness. Uh, I'm going to double thumbs down. I thought it was a very messy trailer. I know what I, I, nothing grabbed me, to be, to be honest. I got nothing. Yeah, this is, uh, I'll give one up, one down, you know. I probably would not be interested without the cast involved, you know. You know. Nicole Kidman looks pretty good. Zoe Saldana looks pretty good. Morgan Freeman's in it. <laughs> I only like Zoe Saldana but, when she's blue, you know? 
What about it when she's green? All green. <laughs> it's very weird seeing her as a real human being. <laughs> um, yeah, it just seems kind of like a stock dance kind of thriller kind of thing. So, uh, yeah. The latest entry in the Sheridan pipeline. Uh, so this is releasing on Paramount Plus July 23rd. Next trailer is for The Pod Generation, directed by Soapy Barthus, uh, starring Amelia Clark, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Rosalie Craig, Vinette Robinson, and John Mark Barr. A couple in futuristic New York use technology such as detachable artificial wombs and pods to start their family. Dylan, what did the trailer for the pod generation? Yeah, double thumbs up. It looked great. Uh, really unique concept. Uh, two uh, great leads in the front there. You know, I I don't know what there's not to, to like about this. I'm, I'm keen to watch it. Yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. Like, uh, I've, you know, looking at the reviews out of at Rotten Tomatoes, it's not does look like it's very good well, but uh this yeah i know yeah they could have changed it so much since sundance um but yeah it looks really cool interesting idea lots of cool visuals um just the the idea of a pregnancy where the baby is not inside the woman is weird but also could be good for the future. I don't know. Like, is that something women actually want? Or like, I'm sure they do. Like, I'm sure there's like, it's very interesting concept. And like, I'm sure there'll be a lot of interesting discussion around it from people who actually watch it. But uh, yeah, the, those two actors, I think, would really cool together. Uh, so yeah, this is definitely an interesting one. Uh, it's set for a limited release in the US on August 1st. No Australian release date. Final trailer for this week, Wonka, directed by Paul King, starring Timothy Chalamet, Kayla Lane, Keegan-Michael Key, Patterson Joseph, Matt Lucas, Matthew Baton, Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson, Jim Carter, Tom Davis, Olivia Coleman, and Hugh Grant. Based on the extraordinary character at the center of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Roald Dahl's most iconic children's book and one of the best-selling children's books of all time, Wonka tells a wondrous story of how the world's greatest inventor, magician, and chocolate maker became the beloved Willy Wonka we know today. Dylan, what are your thoughts on Timothy Chalamet as Willy Wonka? Um, I'm going to go one up, one down. I think I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to watch it. Uh, very weird movie. I, I don't love Timothy Chalamet's Wonka. I don't know if it, I, I can't even blame him because obviously there's there's a direction given to him and that one part where he just says scratch it, rewind it. I'm like, was that the only take? Like, what was it? A bit of pep in your step. You had more pep doing the Apple TV advert. Like, fucking Jesus. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll go one up, one down. Obviously, I like the director. I like a bunch of people involved in the project. Hugh Grant looks sort of funny as a Oompa Loompa. I know, it's a weird <laughs> fucking movie. Just... It's two thumbs up for me. I really enjoy the trailer. I think, um, yeah, I feel like maybe two people people are too attached to the Gene Wilder version, you know? Uh, and it's an incredibly, you know, high, high, high watermark to reach, a high bar to pass. Um, 
I'm not, not sure it's exactly fair to put Timothy Chalamet up against Gene Wilder, and we're all going to forget about the Johnny Depp Willy Wonka film because that was my main problem. Is this bad? Yeah. Why does this motherfucker get three movies made around him when it's called Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? <laughs> like- because the uh, the Charlie movie is just super depressing. <laughs> it's like this kid coming home from school every night, and his grandparents are in the one bed. Yeah. Um, you know. But we've a, seen that movie. There's move. a sequel book. <laughs> I read it in primary school. I think they're making. I think they're making a Netflix. Are they? Movie. Well, the Roald Dahl estate's got like a massive the glass elevator. With, That's what the they've got a massive deal with Netflix, from what I understand. Oh no, Netflix bought the Roald Dahl estate or something like that. Okay. From memory, I don't remember. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's in the works. But uh, I mean, Willy Wonka is more interesting. <laughs> the crazy thing is. He's like super happy and excited in this movie, and you need you know by the end of the end of before we get to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, he's the uh, reclusive hermit. You know? you know, he's super excited to talk to everybody. Uh, either this movie is going to make him super depressed, or uh, he'll eventually become super depressed. I don't know if that will happen in this particular movie, um, but yeah, looks fun. Lots of interesting visuals. I think Hugh Grant does look good as the Uh which is crazy because who would have thought? Um, and yeah, I'm definitely excited to check out with to check out Wonka later this year. Wonka is coming to Australian cinemas on 14th of December. All right, let's jump into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Uh, this week, I'm just going to make it super simple. Top three Christopher Nolan films. Why? Because Oppenheimer's coming out. Dylan, what's your number three? I forgot to do this. Um, hold on. I <laughs> <laughs> so said on that. I would fucking. This is easy though. Hold on. Uh, number three. Let's go with. Fuck, it's actually not. It's hard, hey. Um, number three. Let's go with Dunkirk. Wow. Okay. I think it's one. Of, I think it's one of the best war movies I've made. I, th- I think it's fantastic. Shot. It's amazing. Finally, we could hear it, right? <laughs> what are you talking about? Get best. Uh, Yep. My number three, Inception. Uh, Dreams Within Dreams. Leonardo DiCaprio is really good. Great supporting cast. Uh, Wild. The the, the, gravity, the scene with Joseph Gordon-Lovett in the hallway. Crazy. Dylan, what's your number two? My number two is Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I, again, every time we talk about these movies, I... Can't go past Dark Knight Rises being my favorite of that bat trilogy, even if I can accept that Dark Knight is a technically better made movie. Rises is just the culmination of those three. So every time I sort of just want to pick it, and I really like it. So um, that's going to be my number two. My number two is The Prestige. I think fantastic movie. Um, the first time you watch it, it pulls off the magic trick spectacularly. Uh, and then each you can still rewatch it despite knowing what how what the magic trick is. Uh, it might even be more rewarding watching it, knowing what the magic trick is. Um, the illusion and that kind of stuff. Fantastic performances by Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. Uh, and Dave Bowie appears as Nikola Tesla. A lot of fun. Prestige, number two. Dylan, what's your number one? Number one's a prestige. Um, 
Yeah, it's a great movie. It's just fantastic <laughs> performances. And yes, I've watched it several times and the magic trick 100% holds up every time you watch it. Um, doesn't ruin the movie at all. It's not a movie built upon the reveal being fun and like then any subsequent viewing is not as much fun. It's got these just between the, the fantastic performances and you you appreciate it like more, like how it's it's all sort of put together and everything. And yeah, I mean, between Andy Serkis, David Bowie, Michael Caine, like Scarlett Johansson, like it's, it's a stacked cast. And yeah, I, I think it's probably Nolan's most underappreciated movie, but in my opinion, his best. So yeah. My number one's The Dark Knight. Fantastic movie. The, the 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 benchmark for superhero movies. Uh, Heath Ledger's joke is fantastic. Uh, the stunts they managed to pull off is crazy. Uh, yeah, it made this movie made Christopher Nolan Christopher Nolan. The the Christopher Nolan we know now. You know, obsessed with IMAX, obsessed with practical stuff, big scale, crazy. Have you watched all these movies or no? I th- I've watched everything from Dark Knight, yeah. uh, from Batman Begins. So you haven't seen like Memento or Insomnia? I haven't seen Memento or, or Insomnia. Or Bonds or the Following, following yeah. yeah. Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? Barbie Heimer. If you could only pick one. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, that's a fair response. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, but this is the event. This is the theatrical event of the year. Weirdly, we've been building up to it, and there's going to be no acting promotion. No one's. It's, it's definitely a weird one. Uh, We're doing it backwards. So I'm going to watch Barbie tomorrow night. You're going to watch Oppenheimer. Yeah, and then we'll switch. And then we'll switch. Yeah. At some point, probably Thursday. <laughs> uh, what about on the TV front? On the TV front, um, I don't know. Was there anything even out this week that I cared? I don't think there was, was there? No. Uh, Not for you, I don't think. I don't think there was anything for me, no. I'm going to say no. On the TV front, The Bear is finally releasing on Disney Plus here in Australia. Season 2. Very excited. Haven't really read too much into what actually happens. I know there's a bunch of guest stars. I know there is... Uh, people are calling it one of the best episodes of the year is part of the season. Uh, and people continue to question why it's considered a comedy. So I'm very excited. Why do they, why have, why do they not release this week by week or even like a week delayed? Like what the fuck? <sighs> one of the biggest shows. Currently. Well, it was released all in one thing and on Hulu in America, right? Yeah. Technically Disney does not hundred percent own Hulu. So I'm guessing because of that, there's some sort of deal that means I can't release it on Disney Plus ever at the same time. Hmm. Would be my guess. Okay. But there's other stuff on Hulu that comes straight to Disney Plus. I don't know. That's that's, really that's my only guess as to why. Yeah, very weird. Uh, we get continue to get fucked. Because hmm. <laughs> uh, even yeah. like Avid and Elementary is weeks behind. You know. Yes. It was it's like yeah. three, four weeks behind the US. So weird. Hmm. All right. Uh, let us know what you're looking forward to this week in the cinema. Which one are you more excited for? Barbie, Oppenheimer. Let us know by going to our social medias. Uh, 
our Twitter at ex- by going to explosion.com slash Twitter, or you can find us on threads at explosionpod or Instagram at explosionpod or go to our Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here, what do you want to watch? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars. Anyone can leave five stars or just tell people about the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode, Thor's worth a dollar, head over to the Coke page at explosion.com slash supports. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.